Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. It's the fourth Sunday in Lent. How's your Lent going? Hmm? Fourth Sunday. You know, across America, the fourth, what the fourth Sunday of, of Lent usually means, at least in the Protestant world, um, is that people are looking at their NCAA brackets and, and they're looking at how many teams they have left. You can see I have one. How's, how's your bracket? You know, most United Methodists would say, how is it with your soul? How is it with your bracket today? How about those St. Peter's fighting peacocks or whatever, whatever they are? Yeah, getting a lot of love there, Jesuits in New Jersey like they are. We're in, a, we're in a series called See, I Am Doing a New Thing. This is from Isaiah verse 43, or chapter 43, verse 19. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I'm doing a new thing. It's also traditionally a time when the text turns to the prodigal son. And that will be our parable for the day. A familiar story. It's a little bit, sort of like you're on the tight, the tight wire, you know, is there, you know, it's so familiar. Is there anything new to say about the prodigal son? I guess we'll see. I'm going to invite you as Ryan Coon's reads from the text. It's going to be in the middle of the story, and it's from the message, which is a paraphrase, and I recommend it highly to you. If you, if you just want to sit and read the Bible, just have a time reading, the message is a great version to do that. And I'm also going to invite you, if you have a Bible on your digital device, or if you have your Bible with you, to follow along, because we're going to dive into the parable this day. So now hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Hello. My name is Ryan Coons, and I'll be reading Luke 15, 20-27. When he was still a long way off, his father saw him. His heart pounding, he ran out, embraced him, and kissed him. The son started his speech, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But the father wasn't listening. He was calling to the servants. Quick, bring a clean set of clothes and dress him. Put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then get a prize-winning heifer and roast it. We're going to feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here, given up for dead and now alive, given up for lost and now found. And he began to have a wonderful time. All this time, his older son was out in the field. When the day's work was done, he came in. As he approached the door, he heard the music and dancing. Calling out over one of the houseboys, he asked, What's going on? He told him, Your brother came home. Your father has ordered a feast, barbecued beef, because he is home safe and sound. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We pray with me. Gracious God, open our hearts and minds to what the Spirit has for us today. Amen. Thank you, Ryan, for reading. Uh, reading the parable. You know, we, it's, a, it's a long passage, and we excerpt it out of the middle because it gets you to sort of see the three main 
characters in the, uh, in the parable. 49 parables of Jesus. I'm sure you have a favorite. The prodigal son, often in rankings of parables, ranks up right up there, one, two, three, top five at least. Um, and no wonder, because there's, there's so much, so much in the story. It's important before we get into this to, uh, to take a look at the context. This is Luke chapter 15. Jesus is, uh, once again, uh, being confronted by the Pharisees because he's spending too much time with sinners. He's eating dinner with tax collectors. And so he, um, he tells three stories. Luke chapter 15 has three stories. And before we, go, before we get, uh, move on, remember the Pharisees, you know, the Pharisees get kind of a bad rap, but, you know, the Pharisees are people like me. People like leadership board. The DS and the bishop. The religious establishment. I'm not saying they're pharisaical. I'm saying this is the religious establishment, all right? Today's equivalent is Hello. Anyway, the Pharisees are getting on Jesus, and Jesus tells, two, tells three stories. The first one you may know, remember the, is about the, the shepherd that had a hundred sheep. One of the sheep gets lost, and he leaves the 99, and he goes to look for the one. And then when he finds the one, he comes back and has a party. That seems not rational, actually, right? Leaving the 99. And then the second one is about the, the widow that had ten coins, and she loses a coin. You ever lost your car keys in the house? Uh-huh. That's what that was like. Or you lost your phone somewhere? She was desperate. So she searches the whole house, and then she finally finds her coin, and she's so happy she invites all her friends over, and she throws a party, and probably spends more money on the party. Then the coin. These are tales of extravagance. Tales, not tales, stories of being prodigal. So we probably ought to take a look at a definition, right? So let's, let's see the definition of prodigal here. Spending money or resources freely and recklessly, wastefully extravagant. The parable of the prodigal son. So as we take a close look at the parable, I want to lift up to you, there's a couple of ways to to sort of think about the parable. One of them is, where do you see yourself in the story? And I did a little thought exercise with some of my social media friends and and, uh, put it out on Facebook and said, who do you see in your, you know, how do you, do you see yourself in the story? Where do you see yourself? And I had you know, I had a fair number of people say, well, I see myself as the younger son. And then I had a few people that, uh, sort of an equal number of people said, I see myself as the older son. A couple said the father. And then there were a couple that said the fatted calf. And I'm like, okay. That's not what I meant. But I encourage you to, as we go through the story, to think about who, who are you like? Not who do you want to be like. Who do you who you like? And the second thing is, what does Jesus want us to to feel, to think, and to do? He want, wanted the Pharisees to think, feel, and do, and he wants us to think, feel, and do. 
All right. I think about it, I really think about this as a play in two acts. Act one. Then he said, there was once a man who had two sons. This is Jesus talking to the Pharisees. And the younger said to his father, said, Father, Dad, I want what's coming to me right now. And the father said, okay. Here you go. Now, it took some liquidation, right? People just didn't have bags of coin around. There were no Bitcoin in that day. But he divided the property between them, and then the younger son packed his bags and went away, left for the distant country. There he wasted pretty much everything he had. He had friends. He had really good friends until he ran out of money. And then there was a famine, and he got really hungry, so he, re- he had nothing. But he got hired on to be a pig, a pig farmer, to slop the hogs. Glamorous work. Particularly revolting for a Jewish boy. He was so hungry, he's, it, said, it says he could have eaten the corn cobs and the pig slop, but nobody would even give him that. So then he came, that brought him to his, to his senses. He said, you know, at least all the hired hands at home have something to eat. So here's what I'm going to do. I am going to say, I'm going I'm to say to my father, Father, I've sinned against you and sinned against God. I really don't deserve to be called your son. I'll just be a hired hand if you'll take me on and bring me back. And so he got up and went home to the father. And now we pick up during, now we pick up where the, where the reading was today. When he was still a long way off, the father saw him, and he ran out and embraced him. Older men in first century Palestine did not run. It was not a thing. Okay? Because of dignity. When you were a when you were the paterfamilias, right? When you were the patriarch, you didn't run. People ran to you. He runs to the son. And his son started his speech. He said, Father, I've sinned against God. And, but the father wasn't even listening because he'd already called to the servants and said, Quick, bring him, a, bring him a set of clothes. Bring him a ring. Bring him some sandals for his feet. And then get a prize-winning heifer. We're going to roast it. We're going to have a feast because my son that was dead is now alive. My son that had gone away has now come home. And they started to have a great time. The party was on. Act 1. So what about this younger son? What would you say about him? He's a little selfish. He wanted what was his now, today. I'm not waiting. Strikes me as one of those kind of people that Figures, you know, they can make it on their own. I'm going to get out there and make it on my own. In the first century, it was pretty, pretty cheeky for the younger son to say to the father, give me what's mine now. In fact, some commentators say, that's sort of like wishing the father was dead. So he wasn't just a rascal. Kind of greedy, actually. Henry Nouwen, who wrote a, a book, a fascinating book, it's a, it's a quick read, I recommend it to you, called the, the Return of the Prodigal, said that this son was deaf to the voice of love. Yeah. Now, if you're a country music fan, 
be like Johnny Lee said, he's looking for love in all the wrong places. He was lost, and certainly a prodigal. And a little note here. Is he really repentant? There's some commentators that say this was just a con job. That it wasn't until he got hungry and he thought about where he could get get a free meal that he said, I'll go back to the old man. Now, I don't know if I buy that, but I think it's an interesting little thought exercise to kind of keep keep out there, you know, keep in your mind. Okay, act two. The older son was in the field working, and when the day's work, he came in, and as he approached the house, he hears the party going on. So he calls over one of the, one of the houseboys, and he says, what's going on? And, and, uh, and the houseboy said, look, this is great. Your brother came home. Your father's ordered a feast. We're having Rudy's tonight. It's great. This son of yours, or sorry, your brother came home, your father's ordered a feast because he's home and he's safe and sound. What did the other, the other brother was overjoyed, right? No. The older brother stomped off in an angry sulk. He said, I'm not going to the party. And then the father comes out. This father is always coming out. He's always pursuing. He's always wanting to... He's not waiting for somebody to come to him. He said, I'm going out. And the father said, you know, come on now. But the older son wouldn't listen. And he looked at the old man. He said, look, old man, I've I've been serving you for so many years and I haven't gotten as much as a pack of hot dogs from you for a party. And then this son of yours No, he didn't say my brother. He said, this son of yours comes home and you give him a party? He's thrown your money away on who knows what. So what about this older son? What about him? A little selfish? He's kind of a little self-righteous, actually. He's been following the rules doing what he's supposed to do. Any elder, son, any elder siblings in the crowd? Can, you, can I get a witness? Yeah, there we go. Uh-huh. But his, you know, his motivation for doing all that stuff is kind of exposed in what he says. It's not out of love. Because he's so outraged that any expenditure by the father is going to diminish his share of the inheritance. He's in it for the money. So his motivation for obedience is revealed. He's resentful, he's proud, he's unkind, he's selfish, he's self-righteous. And you can kind of feel the Pharisees starting to get a little uncomfortable. Maybe. And he was prodigal as well. Because he wasted this opportunity for joy. This was the happiest day of the father's life. This son that was dead is alive. Imagine And the father's like, come on, join us, join us. Your father, we're a family again. Look at us. And the older son said, nah, not interested. So he squandered the opportunity for joy. Wasted. Wasted it. So we have two prodigals. 
Act 2 continues. The father. My son, you're always with me. He's talking to the older, older son now. You're always with me, and everything that I have belongs to you. It's yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead, and now he's alive. He's lost, and now he's found. That word son, the Greek is technon, and it's, it's child. So can you hear him? My, my little boy, I love you. Join us. Everything I have is yours. Technon. So what about this father? You know, this parable is also called the compassionate father. You can kind of see why. What are the characteristics of the father? He's patient. He's waiting. He's loving. He wants the family together. He wants everyone to be together. He's joyful. And he's also prodigal. Because there's a second definition of prodigal that's important here. Giving something on a lavish scale. So we're back to our questions. We, well, before we go to that, you could, all, you could probably call this parable just the prodigals. Back to our two questions. Who are you most like in the parable? And what does Jesus want us to feel, to think, and to do? So we're going to unpack in a few minutes here. We're going to unpack the parable just a little bit. So it's easy to focus on forgiveness, right? And that's certainly a point. God's grace. Did you notice that the father forgave the sons even before they asked to be forgiven? The younger son was, had practiced his story, his speech, and he was about to give it, and the father was already, he'd already planned the party. The heifer was hoof up, you know. Hoofs up. I guess there's more than, more than one. And then the younger son, or the older son, was not even close to repentance. But the father said, you're with me. You're, you're, you're in the family. So forgiveness is certainly it. But remember the context here. Jesus ate with tax collectors and sinners, and he was living on the edge of polite society, if you really want to know. And the Pharisees, just like these prodigals, were basically fighting over the inheritance. Who gets to be in? And who has to be out? Because God forbid... If there isn't anybody out that isn't worth being in. I don't know if I want to join a club like that. But anyway, so remember the context. So Jesus is really asking today, what is the edge of God's extravagant mercy? What are the limits of God's forgiveness? What is the borderline of God's saving abundance? Jesus wants to know, who are we to draw the line? Now, forgiveness is certainly on the way in this Lenten journey, but the destination is transformation. That's where this path goes. The parable calls us to live a transformed life. 
Jesus wants us to live as the compassionate Father. So how do we do that? Henry Nouwen, again, to refer to Henry Nouwen, he says there's three ways that the image of the Father grows in us. Three ways. Grief, forgiveness, generosity. Grief, forgiveness, generosity. Grief. Grief over sin. Grief over our sin and the sins of others. Grief felt deep in the heart. The father grieved over the, sons, over the sins of the sons. That's, that's hard to say. The father, his heart was broken. Now, I don't know about you, but I can surely grieve the sins of others. I'm pretty good at that. You got me a list. Every slight, every crossword, every sideward glance, I remember. Now, my own sin's another matter. I see the speck, but I miss the log. You follow me? You might look that up, but uh, yeah. And the sins of poverty and injustice are just abstract, right? It's stuff I see on the news. That's what happens to those other people. I'm sorry it happens. But heartfelt grief? That requires too much investment. Uh, I, my routine might get disrupted, so I draw a line. You know, Lenten transformation means, means moving beyond sympathy to empathy. Really feeling the want, feeling the pain, feeling the desperation. Grieving over your own sin. Weeping for the sin and the sinner, and lamenting the pain in this world. But we don't dwell there. We don't dwell there. Because just like the compassionate father, we move from grieving to forgiveness. Forgiving ourselves, forgiving others. You know, sometimes I think we have a problem think, remembering that we're forgiven. You know that stuff that you think about at three o'clock in the morning when you wake up and you can't go to sleep and that thing in junior high that you did that you really you know that was really terrible. God doesn't remember that stuff. Okay? So you shouldn't either. Forgiving ourselves, then forgiving others. Relentlessly, not just seven times, but seventy times seven. That takes work. I don't know. I, frankly, it takes work. Jesus said even to forgive your enemies. That Jesus. Whew. Making stuff hard. It's no wonder that Paul recommended that we pray without ceasing because prayer is sort of the language there of forgiveness. But forgiving as challenging as that is, isn't really the final thing. Then recall the compassionate father, after he grieved, after he forgave, then he gave completely not a token, not walking away money. He gave everything. He told the older son, everything I have is yours. He gave the younger son, he gave him back his safety, he gave him back his authority, gave him back his dignity, his attention, his love. It seems like the compassionate father's generosity had no limit. 
Just like Jesus' journey to the cross. Think about that. Jesus' grief over our sin. The forgiveness. The example of forgiving the thief on the cross. And then ultimately the generosity of giving his life. Lent is a time to examine the boundaries of our generosity as well. So who in the family of God do we treat like a hired hand? Who do we decline to invite in? And where have we drawn the line? Friends, the parable of the prodigal son doesn't end with the forgiveness. There's a third act. But Jesus left us hanging. Right? What does the older son do? Does he go to the party? Does he go back to the field? And what about the younger son? He's, in, he's got his new robe and his ring and his sandals, and when the party's over and he's full of barbecue, what does he do? Is the con still on? Because neither of them are really home yet, are they? Their journey goes on. It's almost like the father is saying, you're forgiven. Now what? What's our third act? Because the Lenten trip is not over. The compassionate father still waits. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells us to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And here that word translated as perfect is the Greek word teleos. teleos. And it means perfect, but it also means complete, finished. So are we finished? The message says, your kingdom subjects now live like it. This is the same verse. Live out your God-created identity. Identity. Live generously and graciously toward others the way God lives toward you. The way to realizing this identity in the Father comes through grief, forgiveness, and generosity. Our journey continues. Like the prodigals, we're forgiven. But the compassionate Father still waits. He still waits. May we find our way home. Let it be so. Let's pray. God, hear our cry. Hear our cry of forgiveness. And then empower us to grieve, to forgive, and to be generous. As we seek to live and love like you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.